creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint, and to him who has no might, he increases strength. Even youth shall faint and be weary. Even young men shall faint exhausted. But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Let's pray with me. Father, this is your word. May we come today under its authority. May we lean in to hear what you have for us today. Renew us that we might serve you and love you more faithfully. That we might live according to your will. God, speak to our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. You can leave your Bibles open right there if you would. We're going to be walking through this passage. And before we do... I just want to explain what is going on this morning. Uh, If you're new with us or have been around not so long, um, this is something that we've typically termed deep impact. We've kind of been changing uh, the terminology of that. We called it Big Weekend because we've been partnering with several other churches the last few years. And finally, we have humbled ourselves, come under their authority, and changed our name. Um, So we're calling it Big Weekend, but basically what happens is uh, several churches— come together for a time of teaching and worship in a large group. So this year we met at Quail Springs Baptist Church with probably eight or nine hundred other students and um, just had an incredible time with one another. And then our students stay in host homes and they're, uh, they have small group leaders. They discuss the word and what's been going on throughout the weekend. And so this, our journey began on Friday evening and it's concluding after the service. So welcome to Big Weekend 2019. Uh, I'm not going to be able to catch you up on all that's happened. Um, Hopefully you can hear some stories and see some pictures, ask some of the students and leaders what the Lord has been doing. But our theme this weekend has been renewed, as you can see with the shirts that they're wearing. And we've been talking about really the life of Peter specifically and how the Lord has done a work of renewal, of giving him new life, changing his mind, his thinking, and his heart. And this morning I want to focus on renewed strength. What is renewed strength? look like? First of all, let me ask you a question. How is your strength? I know your strength is waning. You're struggling. It's been a long weekend. But even beyond physically, spiritually, what's the level of your strength this morning? The reality is, as believers, even though Christ has made us new, we can struggle with our vitality and our our spiritual strength time and time again. And that's similar to what's happening in this passage of Isaiah chapter 40. So back to Isaiah 40, verse 27. The prophet Isaiah has been given a message from the Lord for God's people, and I believe it's relevant for us today. Verse 27, Why do you say, O Jacob, and speak, O Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord, and my right is disregarded by my God? So God's people here are are weak. They're discouraged. And they're beginning to wonder, does God even see what's going on? Is my way hidden from God? Does God disregard my circumstances, my heart, my feelings, my weakness? Have you ever wondered, does God even know what's going on in my life? Does he not see how lonely I am? Does he not see that my children are rebelling? Does he not see what I'm going through? 
day after day at school? Does he not see the state of my marriage? Does he not understand that I'm hurting physically and I deal with this every day and I cry out to the Lord and where is he? Does he disregard me? The struggle is real. Weakness and discouragement is a real thing even for believers. But notice what God, his, his desire for us. We go back to verse 1 in chapter 40. Look at his desire. God comes to Isaiah and he says, here's what I want you to do. And he says this, comfort, comfort my people. Says God, speak tenderly to Jerusalem. And we need to, we need to recognize what's been going on in the book of Isaiah up to this point. For 39 chapters, the tone is judgment because of God's people's sin. Their rejection, their idolatry, and they've been rejecting the messengers of God who are bringing a word and they're refusing to repent. And yet God now, that this pivot point in chapter 40, he comes and he says, Isaiah, bring them comfort. Even though they're rebellious, I want my people to know that they can have comfort, they can have strength, they can be renewed. In spite of sin, the pivot point here in chapter 40 of the book of Isaiah turns to deliverance and to hope that in spite of your sin, here's what I want to do in your life. This morning I want to look and see how the Lord, through Isaiah, addressed his people's weariness and their weakness. The first thing I want to point out is in verse 26. Lift up your eyes on high and see. So in your worship guides, you have some fill-in-the-blanks. If you like those, uh, I like them, so they're there. Don't use them if you don't want to, but they're there. It helps me follow along. So look up and remember who God is, is the first one. And we get that from verse 26. Lift up your eyes, and I ask you today, what are your eyes focused on? What are they fixed on? In a real practical sense, day after day, moment after moment, is it our phones, is it the computer, is it our bank account, is it our family, our friendships, even our Bible studies, as great as they are, if our Bible studies are not getting our gaze up on Him, something's missing. Lift up your eyes to the Lord. Notice what Isaiah tells us to put our eyes on in verse 28. He says, have you not known, have you not heard? Right, he knows the answer. He says, he comes to God's people and he says, you know who he is. And I'm going to remind you today, and today I'm, I'm going to share nothing new with you probably, if you've been in church or been in the word at all. But we need to be reminded so often. We need to get our eyes up and look to him. And so Isaiah comes and says, you're weak, you know the truth, let me remind you of the truth. And then it goes on. Have you not known the Lord is the everlasting God? No beginning and no end. He's not bound by time. He's on an everlasting time scale. He's the creator of the ends of the earth. He created all things simply by speaking them into existence, and he sustains them even today. He's not weak or needy or dependent in any way. His understanding is unsearchable. We don't understand what the Lord is doing. And if we ever need to be reminded of that, look to the picture of the cross. Who would have thought that Jesus' death would be the thing that God would use to rescue his people? That he would use the sin of mankind, the most egregious and outrageous sin ever, to bring about the salvation of the very sinners 
He murdered him. God works in different ways than we do. Remember, it goes on, he does not faint or grow weary. He does not faint or grow weary. He's not tired. He's not overwhelmed. He's not caught off guard. He's not taking a break. Not only is his strength never ending, but verse 29 says, he gives power to the faint. And to him who has no might, he increases strength. This God that we need to be looking up to, we need to remember that he's a giver. He wants to comfort his people. He wants to give grace and to give mercy. John 3.16, right? For God so loved the world that he gave. Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. He gives strength to his children. Jeremiah 31.25, he says, For I will satisfy the weary soul. In every languishing soul, I will replenish. He is the source of strength. He is the giver of strength. And then we notice in verse 30, the tone shifts a little bit. The focus shifts from who God is to a reminder of who man is. It says, even youths shall faint and be weary, and young men shall fall exhausted. This phrase, youths and young men, it's not just a term for mankind, although it does encompass all mankind, but it's a picture of the best of the best, the strongest of the strong, the the NFL players of strength, if you will, that even they, the cream of the crop, the hand chosen, they will fall, they will be exhausted, they will faint and be weary. Friends, you will fail. Your strength will fail. There are limits to what you can handle physically and emotionally and spiritually. You are not given at birth inexhaustible strength. But God has inexhaustible strength. We will, we will face things throughout our life that take us beyond our abilities. What do we do when we reach the edge of our power, of our strength, of our capability? So often we take our eyes off Jesus and we just keep trying to do it on our own. Lift up your eyes and remember who God is. Secondly, wait on the Lord to renew your strength. Namely, spiritual strength, this vitality and this hope. Verse 31, it says, But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. When we see the word but or yet in Scripture, it's this contrast of what just happened to what is being said. And so he's contrasting weak men, the strongest of the strong, who will yet fail. You will fail. Bad news. Here's the hope. Those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. There's hope. God gives a promise, and it's a conditional promise, and it's based on what in Scripture? Those who wait will. Not may, not might, not could. Those who wait on the Lord will renew their strength. And this word wait is not just passive sitting back, saying a prayer and just saying, God, it's this this hope. It's this leaning into. It's it's not a passive 
waiting. And so I want to unpack that a little bit more. So waiting on the Lord, the waiting on the Lord that results in renewed strength, what does that look like? So for the remainder of our time, let's kind of unpack what this waiting looks like, that we might be waiters on God, that we might be hoping in God, that our strength might be renewed. First of all, it means longing for the Lord. Longing for the Lord. Psalm 62, verse 1, David says, My soul waits in silence for God alone. From Him is my strength and my salvation. David's in distress, he's feeling weak, and he cries out and he says, God, you alone, I'm going to wait in silence for you alone because the only way salvation comes is through you. And he knows that, and and in this passage, in the first eight verses, five different times that phrase, God alone, is used. And so David is longing for the strength and the salvation that only God can provide. We turn to Psalm 42, a familiar passage to so many, and it's such a beautiful picture of, of this longing, and it's a picture of the struggle of waiting on the Lord. And so let's read much of this together. It says, As a deer pants for flowing streams, so my, my, my soul pants for you, O God. My soul thirsts for the living God. There's a hunger here. When shall I come and appear before God? My tears, notice the, the pain and the struggle and the suffering and the weakness. My tears have been my food day and night. While they say to me all day long, where is your God? Sound familiar? His emotions are beginning to ask this question in his heart. Does God even care? Where is he? Is he not doing something? Is he disregarding me? Verse 4, these things I remember. He's remembering, not God here, but things and circumstances. As I pour out my soul, how I remember this. He says, I, how I would go with the throngs and lead them in procession to the house of God. And with glad shouts and songs of praise, a multitude keeping the festival. So David here is focusing on the, the good old days, the, the better circumstances. When his heart wasn't broken and he wasn't discouraged, he was saying, I, I think about these things in the midst of my discouragement. Is that helpful? In the midst of our discouragement and weakness to remember the good days? Well, maybe if our hope, we're hoping in God through that and we believe that there will be a renewal and there will be good days again, but David seems to be lamenting and just saying, I hurt now, why can't it be like that? Verse 5, why are you downcast, my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God. See, he's clinging, he's looking, not hoping in things, hoping in God, hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my song. My soul is cast down within me. Therefore, I remember you. There's an acknowledgement that David needs to remember the Lord to hope in him and not his circumstances. We move to verse 9, and we see the struggle, though, continues. I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Once again, there's questioning. Does God care? Why do I go mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? As with the deadly wounds in my bones, my adversaries taunt me while they say to me, where's your God? He's feeling it, he's thinking it, and the people around him are saying, God doesn't care. 
God's not there. You've been left alone. Verse 11, why are you downcast, O my soul? He continues to talk to himself and preach to himself. Then he says, hope in God. Wait on God. Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. He's realizing he's weak and struggling, and there's this tension, and there's this emotion, and there's these questions, and there's these voices in his life, and yet he continues to come back. He alone is my strength. I must cling to that truth. I must believe it. I must long for him and not long just for circumstances to change. I must long for his presence and not just for the turmoil to end. Verse, 40, or, uh, verse 31, back in Isaiah, as we read it again, they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. This word renew really means to exchange. Exchange my weakness for his strength. Those who exchange their own weakness for his strength shall renew their strength. So it's not just getting strength. He just doesn't make you strong. It's better. He gives you his strength. If he just made us stronger, we'd be the NFL team. We'd be the cream of the crop, right? Which will fail. But he, he gives us his strength, supernatural strength that he promises to give us. 2 Corinthians 12, verse 7, a familiar passage, but be reminded today of what it has to say for us. Paul says, So to keep me from becoming conceited because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, a thorn was given to me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from becoming conceited, to keep Paul from becoming too convinced that he was strong enough on his own. God gives him something to remind him to keep his eyes on the Lord. And so what felt like punishment was actually a gift. Verse 8, it says, Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, Paul says, I will boast all the more gladly of my weakness so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weakness, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Paul acknowledges that there's an exchange available. His weakness he says, I'll admit it all day long because I know what's out there is his strength, and that's what I need to get me through. Paul David Tripp, I believe there's a quote in your worship guide if you want to look at that, a few of these. He says, remember, it's not your weakness that will get in the way of God's working through you, but it's your delusions of strength. We have to start by admitting we're needed. We have to start by admitting we need to be rescued. We need salvation, and it's from him alone. Another quote there from uh, the commentary, Jameson Fawcett Brown, says, The Lord has more need of our weakness than of our strength. Our strength is often his rival. Our weakness, his servant. 
drawing on his resources and showing forth his glory. Man's extremity or man's limit, man's end, when he's at the end of his own strength, it's God's opportunity. But man's security, man's comfort is Satan's opportunity. God's way is not to take his children out of trial, but to give them strength to bear up against it. Secondly, waiting on the Lord that brings renewal includes listening to the Lord. Listening to the Lord. In times of waiting, as we seek God in prayer, we must learn to listen as well as to cry out to Him. To shut out the noise in our lives and quietly wait as He reveals His plans. Proverbs 8.34 is a great picture of this. It says, Blessed is the one who listens to me, watching daily at my gates, waiting beside my doors. It's this picture of a servant coming quickly and waiting, listening, it says, but just standing in a posture at the door of the master, needing to receive, needing to hear what God has for him or her. And I wonder how much of our fatigue and our discouragement and stress in our lives is due to the fact that we're doing so many things that God never specifically instructed us to do. Whose voice is guiding you every day? When you get up in the morning and you set out and you have your list of do's, who has set that agenda? Who has given you those instructions? An important aspect of listening is actually believing, trusting that what God says in his word is true. And we need to be eager to hear from the Lord daily, to open his word, that we might allow the Lord to reveal himself through his word to us. This concept of waiting and hoping on the Lord, it also involves embracing his promises. Another blank on the worship guide. Embrace his promises and believe that they apply to you. So there's, there's two heart, parts here. We, we don't always know how the Lord is going to fulfill his promises. But we must embrace them as true. We must believe them as true. And we have to believe them for us as his children. Sometimes it's easy to look in scripture and we look in the Old Testament and we're like, man, God was so faithful. He said this and that happened. Look at Noah and Moses and Abraham. Time after time, God is faithful. Look at the Israelites, what God was doing in their life. God's promises are true. He said this, and then it came about. We look at the New Testament, we see the same thing. Jesus, look, look at all that he did with his disciples, the promises he made. He said, I'm going to die, but I'm going to raise in three days. They didn't get it, but it still happened. His word was true. And then it comes to our life, and we're like, I'm not sure if that's true. And we can even believe it for other people. We can share the promises of God with other people, right, in our lives that are hurting. But then in our circumstances, somehow we we disbelieve. It's true for you as well. There's a song, Good, Good Father, that's been around for a while. We've sung it in the youth several times. The lyrics are, you are a good, good father. It's who you are. It's who you are. And I am loved by you. It's who I am. It's who I am. And then the bridge 
goes on and it says, you're perfect in all of your ways. You are perfect in all of your ways. You are perfect in all of your ways to us. So it says you're perfect in all of your ways three times, and at the very end it says to us. And I, I heard the guys that wrote that song, they were saying, you know, so many people think that's just a throwaway. It's just two little words, it's just four letters, and it's just to get you back to the course. He says, those words are important. He says, because we can proclaim God is perfect in all his ways. Everything he's doing all the time is perfect. But we need to know it's to us, too, in my life, in my circumstances. And so I so appreciate the, the simplicity of that and yet the power of that. And just want to encourage you. Are you believing that God works together everything for his good for those who love him? That is true in your situation right now. As hard as as it may be. He is at work. We have to believe that. And he will enable you and empower you to be faithful through it, even in the most difficult of circumstances. So waiting on the Lord includes longing for the Lord, listening to the Lord, and thirdly, living for the Lord. Living for the Lord. Again, this idea of waiting is not passive, I got this image in my mind, and it's probably not helpful at all, but I'm going to share it, so bear with me. Um, waiting, it's not like waiting in the doctor's office, right? I don't know what you do or what you think about when you wait in the doctor's office, but you're there, and you're just like, someone's going to walk out the door and say, Chad, and I'm going to be like, who's that? My name's Kicker. So, I'd, but beyond that, if whatever your name is, they're going to come out, and you're just sitting there passively waiting, like, I'm sick, I don't feel good, they need to call my name, I need to go back there. So you start thinking, I wonder what's going to happen when they call my name. Oh, I know what's going to happen. They're going to make me get on the scale. I'm going to take my jacket off. I'm going to take the keys out of my pocket, right? Because I do not want that nurse thinking I've gained a few since last time. So we're just preoccupied with thoughts. Or maybe you're the one that just sits there and you're painfully aware of all the germs that surround you. You're, you're the, and then so you, your eyes catch a glimpse of the kid toys. Can you imagine how many kids have touched this? And it's as if you can see the germs moving. I mean, it's just, and then they start looking at you. I'm coming for you. And you're like, I am going down. Like, I'm going to get sick. I'm already sick. I don't know what's going to happen, but this is a bad place for, for me to be right now. So you grab a magazine, right? You're going to distract yourself. You start looking through the magazine. You're just waiting for them to call your name. I'm just doing anything I can to distract myself from the situation. And as you read the articles and you notice the styles, you're like, How, what year is this? You turn the cover over and it's 1985. And you're like, what? First of all, my doctor's cheap. My bills aren't cheap. So what's going on here? Why don't they get new magazines? Secondly, you start to think, 1985? What's, what's happened since then? You're like, Mad cow? Like, could this be mad cow germs? Is that, how does that get transferred? The bubonic plague? The bird flu? Like, what all am I getting here? And so this experience of just passively sitting there, like something's going to happen, I don't know what, and in the meantime, I'm preoccupied with life and circumstances in my surroundings. That's not the waiting that the Lord's talking about. It's a better picture, I think, to think about um, a waitress or a waiter at a really nice restaurant. Maybe, maybe like Zaxby's, Right? 
We have some students that are addicted to Zaxby's, and I feel like I need to do an intervention right now in front of all of you. I forbid you to eat there more than three times a week, okay? I know it's going to be painful. Maybe not the nicest of place, um, and I have to confess to my wife publicly because we don't go to a lot of those places. So everything I'm going to be sharing about this is theoretical because we don't know what, you know, we think fuzzies is upper class. Still no waiters, so I'm sorry, Kelly. Thank you for putting up with me. But I was once a waiter. Actually, the job before I came to Heritage, I was a waiter. So they must have been desperate. It was like Goldie's Restaurant. And they're like, yeah, we'll hire you. Sorry. Thank you, Heritage, for bringing me here. I'll never leave. But my previous job was Goldie's Patio Grill. Who even knows what that is? Stillwater, Oklahoma. It's no longer there, from what I've heard. Um, It went down soon after I left. I was holding everything together. If you don't know what Goldie's Patio Grill is, um, think of Chili's. And it's a step or two below that on the fancy scale, okay? They've got a pickle bar. But other than that, there's not much. I was a waiter there. I was eager to do my job well. I wanted to serve people well. I wanted to do a good job. I also wanted to make tips. So I, I wanted people to sit in my section, right? If you've ever waited tables, sometimes it's slow, and you're kind of in the back, and you're just looking out. Like, Man, there's no one in my section. And there, someone walks in the door, and you're like, I need to make more than $2 today, sitting in my section. So I was eager for someone to sit there, and then as soon as they, they sat there, I was eager to be like, hey, I'm Chad, how you doing? How can I help you? Uh, and then I'd want I'd eager to, to wait on them, to bring them a drink, to give them refills. I wanted to take care of them and provide for them. And I think that's a better picture of what this waiting on the Lord is. It's not just sitting down, being distracted by everything, waiting for God to do something. It's we come to the Master and we say, what can I do? Can I, I want to listen to you, and when you give me instructions, I want to move. I want to I do things. I want to trust and obey you. Psalm 23, verse 2, says, Behold, as the eyes of servants look to the hand of their master, so our eyes look to the Lord our God. See, when we look up to the Lord our God, it's not just give me, give me something. We come and we say, what can I do for you, Lord? You you are gracious and kind, and you've brought me salvation. How can I serve you, my Lord and my God? Waiting on the Lord involves continuing to live for him, continuing to carry out his wishes, even if we're weak and discouraged, even if obedience doesn't seem to make a lot of sense in our specific circumstances. We talked about this weekend, um, Luke 5, in the life of Peter. There's this uh, narrative in the Gospels in chapter 5 where uh, Peter and some other guys, they're out on a boat, they're fishing all night long. They're coming back to shore, and Jesus is standing there, and they don't really know fully who Jesus is at this point. And he says, why don't you push back out and do that again? Drop your nets. Peter says, We've been doing this all night. I'm tired. I'm discouraged. We caught nothing. Um, You may not know this, Jesus, but I'm a fisherman. (laughs) So I kind of know how this works. The fish aren't there right now. It's the heat of the day. It's warmed up. It doesn't make sense for Peter to do what Jesus has asked. And yet, in verse 5 of chapter 5, he says, Simon Peter answered, Master, we worked all day and night and caught nothing. But 
right? This turning point, this contrast. This is my circumstances. We've done this. We know what we're doing. We're competent fishermen. Thank you very much. But, it, but I will do as you say, is what Peter's response is. And we'll let down the net. Living for the Lord includes carefully obeying, carefully obeying his commands, no matter what. There will be times that obedience doesn't seem attractive, it doesn't seem to make sense. Do not murder. Well, yeah, right? Like, I don't want to go to jail, and I mean, that's ruthless. What, how would that impact my family? Do not lie. Well, yeah, most of the time, right? I mean, there's times when you just can't tell the truth. Forgive. Seventy times seven. <laughs> he doesn't really expect that, right? I mean, do you know what's happened in my life and you just want me to keep forgiving and keep offering forgiveness? You should get baptized. Well, I mean, the water isn't special. There's nothing that happens there. And I should have done that when I was a kid. So it's just not really that important. Purity. Well, I mean, everybody struggles with purity. It doesn't hurt anybody. You should be in community with other people. <laughs> well, I don't really like people. Um, and I'm busy, and to be honest, most people don't like me very much, so I'm really helping them by not being a part of community, right? Like, we, all of these rationalizations of why we're not obedient, and our, and our speaker this weekend, he called it inconvenient obedience. There's times when obedience is very inconvenient, <laughs> and faithfulness is to obey in spite of the inconvenience. We're not really submitting to the Lord. He's not really our master if we're picking and choosing when it's convenient for us to obey. And so no matter what, we continue to carefully obey his commands. And that's a picture of what this waiting is. As we're waiting to be renewed in our strength, we continue to follow the Lord and listen to his voice. And let me just caution you not to equate obedience with a list of do's and don'ts just so, I mean, it's just the default. I think in my mind, even when I hear obey, and I even read you a list, right, of things, murder, like, but the, the essence of obedience is love. His commands are summarized in love God, love people, and so when you evaluate your heart and your, your obedience, evaluate it based first on love. Not am I doing, am I loving God? What's my heart towards him? What's my heart towards other people? Jesus said, if you love me, you will keep my commands. That's where we have to start. Longing for the Lord, stirring our affections for the Lord, that our hope may be in him. Living for the Lord must be rooted in loving the Lord. Living for the Lord must be rooted in loving the Lord. we begin to wrap up and CJ and the band comes I just want to ask you some things and encourage you some things to think about who are you living for who are you listening to who or what are you longing 
for that might satisfy your heart. I want to invite you to wait on the Lord, to hope in the Lord regardless of your circumstances. His desire is to bring you comfort and to speak to you tenderly. He wants to give you strength. He's a giver. He wants to renew your hope. And know this, God is more concerned about changing you than he is about changing your circumstances. I want to point us back to verse 31. But those who wait on the Lord will renew their strength. Notice the circumstances aren't changing here. It's, it's the person, it's the people of God that he wants to change. I'll renew your strength. They will soar like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. Instead of being overwhelmed by the obstacles of life, those that hope in the Lord will mount up with wings and soar like eagles. Instead of being too exhausted to even get out of bed sometimes, they will run and they will not get tired. Instead of collapsing and giving up in the middle of the race because it's just hard, they will have strength to endure. They will continue faithfully putting one foot in front of the other to finish the race that the Lord has set before them. Warren Wiersbe has said as this, the journey of a thousand miles begins with one step. The greatest heroes of faith are not always those who seem to be soaring. Often it is those who are patiently plodding. As we wait on the Lord, he enables us not only to fly higher and run faster, but also to walk longer. Blessed are the plotters, for they will eventually arrive at their destination. We long for him, knowing that he alone brings salvation and brings strength. Will you draw near and listen to the promises of God and believe that they are true for you? And will you live for him? no matter what. Let's pray. Lord, we, we confess that we don't. That we don't long for you as we should. That we don't listen to you as we should and we don't live for you as we should. But we trust that Jesus came to pay for our failures. To pay for our sin, for our turning away. And we recognize and we admit that much of our weakness is due to a lack of obedience and a lack of longing and a lack of listening. But we trust in the greatest exchange that has ever been made. Words that we sang this weekend, the Lamb of God in my place. Your blood poured out my sin erased. It was my death you died, now I'm raised to life. Hallelujah, the Lamb of God. Lord, would you grant the gift of repentance and faith to each and every person in this room today. Break hearts. Show us we are weak that we might run to you. Move in such a way that we would all surrender anew. Enable us to walk in your grace and to extend it to others. In Jesus' name.
the Lord is working in your heart, I want to encourage you to take a step of faith and talk to someone. Come forward and talk to me, to Jim, to anyone around. I'm going to ask you to stand. We're going to sing a song of response. Celebrate what God has done. We're going to continue to plod along faithfully. How great the chasm that lay between us. How high the mountains I could not climb. In desperation, I turned to Could fathom such boundless grace. 